You're listening to the Archaeology Podcast Network. Welcome to episode 28 of the Archaeology in Ale podcast, a free monthly public archaeology talk brought to you by Archaeology in the City, the community outreach program from the University of Sheffield's Department of Archaeology. The talks take place at the Red Deer, a popular pub on Pitt Street in Sheffield, near the Department of Archaeology. It is a busy place, so there might be some background noise in our recording. This month, our guest speaker is Milika Rajik, speaking to us about the excavations at Sheffield Castle. very much and good evening good evening good evening good evening and uh, welcome to my very last talk for 2019 and my penultimate talk too on the subject I had enough uh, thank you very much for turning up in such an unhealthy and safety way and uh, what we'll do our best I'll, I'll, I'll do my best uh, for us to stay on this level literally and I'll take you to a few different archaeological levels metaphorically and through the slides so before I start I would like to say thank you very much for archaeology and city invite me and thank you Katie for volunteering me to do this talk. Uh, it's my absolute pleasure and also my thanks go to people on the list and uh, organizations on the list. I just would like to point out that this is 2018-2019 tour that before all of us who started digging the site of Sheffield Castle this time roughly last year there were 20 years of making this into evaluation excavation. There were numerous people, numerous organizations who were involved uh, from ages ago. Uh, uh, Wessex Archaeology uh, North, let's clarify that, uh, <laughs> was commissioned by Sheffield County Council to uh, do an evalu evaluation of the site. Um, we were supported and monitored by uh, South Yorkshire Archaeology Services, namely Dinah Sage was with us every day during the, during the evaluation, so during the work on site and now during the post-excavation. Friends of Sheffield Castle were there from day one, minus 20 years. Uh, the University of Sheffield was there as well, and I would like to thank Professor John Morland, who became John Morland, who became John uh, during the course, and also Professor Don Hadley, who stayed Professor Don Hadley from the University of York, uh, historic king. England, uh, Dr. Samantha Stein and Dr. Andy Hammond, Sheffield Hallam University, the uh, students who uh, painted hoarding around the site just because we, we could do that. And I would in particular like to, uh, to thank 350 volunteers, 1,500 visitors and all 17,000 of you who sent me emails and asked me various different questions. Now, to be on a serious note here for a bit, not for a long, all these volunteers, I'm very very grateful and I see a few of you uh, uh, with us tonight. Um, the, we, you all help us um, record and excavate the site and also do the uh, processing of the uh, finds in our post-excavation offices in um, Healy. Uh, we, I also would like to thank numerous specialists and we have more than 30 now people involved in various different analyses and reporting on finds, samples, uh, various different dating techniques 
techniques and so on and so forth. Uh, I would like to thank Liz Chambers, who's here with us tonight, and Richard Payne, who have conducted, conducted a borehole survey and reporting on that. And none of this would have happened. I only take the glory and questions. But not a single thing would have happened if it wasn't for Ash, Amy, and Sam. And these are the three fabulous people who excavated the site. Um, and Ash also has written uh, evaluation reports and we are now in a stage where he is going to, by, by February next year, we have to submit the final report on that. So he is the one who I should thank and I am doing that now the most. Uh, I'm going to, we're gonna go through various different periods. Of course we, we, we will. And I just would like you to know when I say medieval, post-medieval, early modern and recent, what do I mean? And these are the, the years, the dates, if you want, there. Um, are they accurate or not accurate? Do we all agree uh, or not agree? To be honest with you tonight, I don't care. This is what it is. And uh, we're gonna just go ahead with them for now. Um, just in case there are people who are not from Sheffield, and because we are Sheffield-centric, this is where Sheffield is, hurrah. And this is how Sheffield looks from above. And I like this very much, because it just shows how green it is all around. I like that in particular. But on a serious note, this is where the site is. So there, okay. Uh, this, I, I hate this when other people do, so I'm gonna do that. <laughs> right? This is where the site is. And it's you can see the River Don and you can't see it, but you can take my word if you're not from Sheffield. This is River Sheaf, and it's this is where River Sheaf joins the River Don, and that's where we dug. Uh, well, what was already known, as I mentioned earlier, we we haven't started from scratch, haha, <laughs> excuse the pun, uh, or from the uh, you know the first trench. Um, loads of different things were known before we started on site. First of all, that the very last building was uh, famous Sheffield markets, which were knocked down in 2015. And then in 1950s, 1960s, there was a slightly older building. Again, uh, Castle Markets, and before that, it was uh, Brightside Carbrook and Cooperative Society building that was built in the 1930s. And before we started, sorry, before they built that 1930s, that's how the site looked. Now, I just would like you to pay uh, attention to these white buildings there and how the site looked from above, if you want. We are north. <laughs> you are north. I'm north. This is the, we are looking uh, south. So the River Don is there. Okay, so these white, white buildings are all slaughterhouses, or if you want, killing shambles at, uh, that are known and are still known um, when, you, when you search to find out what was going on there. Um, just look at this thing there as well, just pay attention to a few things, and I'll just leave that for a couple of seconds just to kind of see what was going on in the early 20th century. Before that, we knew that in uh, during Victorian era, during the uh, Industrial Revolution, like just like everywhere else in Sheffield, whoops, okay, here, this one, uh, just like everywhere else in Sheffield, there were cementation furnaces and stealing, stealing, steel production um, related buildings that thing that I just showed you is depicted on the 19th century map as a circle and you can see that you, you can read various different chimney 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 locations that is how the site looked so the site is this okay in the um, 19th century here is another 19th century OS map and this it says Castle Hill works steel Castle Hill steel uh, works 
Castle Hill works steel and Castle Hill works steel again and Castle Hill steel works just to confuse everyone. Uh, if you, if, and if you, you thought that there is nothing to do with steel, yes it is. And then again, there are slaughterhouses. They're already there in the uh, 19th century and they predate um, this map as well. And that is how these slaughterhouses looked. They are older than um, the steel works. Uh, some, if not all, of the steelworks. And I just would like you to look at this view. That's now from, uh, we're looking west. Um, and that's how they looked. Now, I want to show you that they're there. So these now dark parallel lines, and this is late 18th century map. And no surprise there, uh, there was an act in 1784, I think, which brings those slaughterhouses, or takes them outside the city and brings them towards the um, the rivers, so all the impurities that were impurities. That's such a euphemism. So all the blood and <laughs> shit and, and stuff that was, excuse my language, that was, you know, to be washed, uh, was washed into, into two rivers. Um, before that, uh, it, was, it was more romantic, less drastic. There was, a, there was a bowling green on the site. And I think this is my favorite phase of the site. Not because, not because I'm, I'm lazy and I think it's just Bowling Greens are amazing. Uh, I have no life, so I read a lot about Bowling Greens. Um, and it was not only a place to exercise, it was not only a place for to do bowling, it was also a place to socialize, to come out and to uh, express your opinion on recent events in the city and in general in the country. So riots were held there, um, uh, various different Groups were meeting there. All sorts of things were were happening um, in the in that area. And how does that look when it's in color? When it's in Technicolor, it's there. Okay, and you can see a couple of people bowling actually. Okay, and before that, uh, the broad phase of the. <laughs> there we go. Hello, Essex Archaeology. There was a castle made of cake, and that is how Sheffield. Uh, sorry, that's that's how Essex Archaeology North celebrated the fact that we have won the tender. Little we knew then. Uh, we were very happy. <laughs> they were very happy. I was worried already. But anyway, uh, anyway, we have celebrated that, and yeah, we, there was a castle, and I brought you a castle here as well tonight, and. That's how, that's again, it's not a Sheffield castle, but it's a reconstruction of a Norman castle. And it's, it's pretty much there. There are some stylistic things, especially for people who were there at the time when castles stood there. They, they come to me and say, it wasn't like that. It wasn't <laughs> like that, but I have no idea how it was. And until I find out, it's going to be like this. <laughs> so I also want to show you that this is where the castle is. And I'm just showing you this because uh, everything about that excavation, or if you want, most of the things about the, that excavation was to do with levels. There was a, there is still a platform in the middle of that site, and you kind of go up to go down, and you start digging, and you think you're high above the river and high above everything else, but then it turns out that you're not, that you're at the same level as everything else, and then certain parts of the site were much higher, and you know, it's like what what is going on? But uh, what is going on? <laughs> what is really going on? Is the story that the castle is is at uh, the place of those uh, two rivers, but it's not on the highest ground that it's surrounding that. So the site is there. This is LIDAR, okay? Not this dot, that is LIDAR. Okay, that's, this is the site. And you can see that it's, that blue is a very, very low ground. It's, it's, that's the, that river influence and this river influence. Higher grounds are, I don't need to say this to you, I'll point out there. Okay, so why? 
is the castle there and not up on a higher ground overlooking because it didn't need to be because it was a Norman castle. The first castle was a Norman castle and it was there to show off. And that's what happens if you go to France and you look at their castles at that time and a bit earlier, they're all in lowlands and no, in no particular high points and spots. They become that later and the site does become uh, higher um, uh, gradually because it's built on rather than the way it was found. Um, I have said numerous times a massive mistake. I said it was on high ground and outcrop. Yes, certain phases of the castle are now on high ground, but the initial one, I don't think it was. Um, again, so this is from uh, what I've told you already is from the topographical and geographical and locational point of view. This is now people who were involved and um, there were excavations and recordings before we, we went on site. And um, in, two, in 2001 and late 90s, Arcus, so that who used to be a commercial unit uh, belonging to the University of Sheffield, have done various uh, different excavations. So let me just go back once more. They have uh, evaluated the north part of the site. They have also excavated the trench across the moat, or if you're on projected line where we thought, where they thought, where we all think the, the, the moat might be. Uh, and they have came across, especially in the north part of the, of the site, of uh, medieval remains wall, steps and they have also recorded the west side of the east arm of the moat. If you're not confused by now, that's amazing, <laughs> but never mind. And before that, uh, there were four, four gentlemen in, and one lady, if you want, uh, Armstrong and Butcher and uh, Armstrong, Hemsworth, Butcher, Butcher and Bartlett. They have uh, done recordings in the 1920s and the 1950s, and one lady uh, who no one ever mentions, and I will deliberately, for the obvious reason, is Pauline Beswick, who also recorded uh, remains uh, when the Sheffield City Council was doing repairs and building the wall that is still standing there on the Castle Gate Street. Okay, and these guys, all of them, and in particular these four guys, uh, have done a very, very good job. Uh, not only that they have, um, they haven't done the excavation or evaluation, they have done a, what we would now call a watching brief. So uh, the pits and, and shafts and uh, trenches were already going on for the two different markets uh, built in the 30s and the 60s, and they were recording everything and anything they could possibly see. Uh, the finds were laid out in front of them and they would record them. Uh, their interpretation we now know is very, very accurate. What, if you want, is not accurate uh, and what uh, maybe did not help them is that they were trying to fit into a narrative or to fit into expectations that they had from a wider public at the time, which is just the way things were. But. Let's just see what they have found. They're, they've found and recorded various different floors, but they've also found this is a part of a building that was uh, reconstructed later, and that's this thing here, which you could go in and see while the 2015 markets, not 2015, the latest castle markets were there. And they've also found a part of what we now think, hope it is the main entrance, the, the gate house. So for people who are not familiar with how castles look, <laughs> that's how castles look. So there is a, there is a, there remains 
here and that's that below photo and they have also found this part and the the uh, pillar if you want onto which the drawbridge goes okay so this is what you're looking at and that that's that okay you can think that i'm making all this up because it doesn't and i am none of this is true none nothing here that i say tonight is true uh, so uh, that's what that's what we have, and that's what we knew it was there. And these are recorded monuments uh, as well. So these are just a handful, just a few of the black and white photos of these steps and walls and things that were recorded in the 1920s and 50s. That's that pillar that I've just pointed out. There were uh, nicely dressed stones. Okay. There were nicely dressed stones as well. Um, there were various different artifacts. Uh, not all of these are medieval. There are some medieval pin, medieval glass, some gold, uh, which I'm, I'm just delighted that they found some gold because every time we excavate, <laughs> we don't find gold. And the answer is no, we haven't. Uh, but there are also post-medieval things such as clay pipe bowls and there are coins there, this key and so on and so forth. Some medieval leather shoes and all these finds are uh, in the Western Park Museum. Some of them are on display and I encourage you to go and take a look. So this is, this is what we knew. So we knew a lot really. Uh, um, but what is that, that we have found. What is new? The new thing is that under this thing that went down in 2015, <laughs> I love that. Should we do that again? <laughs> the thing went down in 2015. There was a clear sight. By that, I mean there was nothing, there were no developers, no large machines, no one asking us to finish for yesterday and move on immediately. Uh, and that is what normally happens when we do what I normally do, and that is manage uh, rescue archaeology projects, pre-development projects. This indeed is a site that is to be developed, but when? That's an, a tricky question that you're going to ask me later. And what is going to be there is another tricky question that is going to, uh, you to ask, for you to ask me later. But for now, it is still like that. The only difference is, is that there are scars that we have left behind. So what you're looking at is the upper platform, lower platform. So this was, this is the inner bailey. That's the moat. And these dark blobs are our trenches. This is the Wayne Gate. River Dawn is here. So we have 11 trenches in total, five targeting the large ditch that once upon a time surrounded the castle, and six targeting the inner bailey. Uh, they might look ad hoc and like we are just putting holes in the ground, but trust me, it makes all, all makes sense. We have informed ourselves and consulted various different people and decided rationally to put those trenches where we had put them. And we tried to answer loads of different questions. Some of them we succeeded. Uh, with some of them we are yet to find out what's going on. Some of them we can't answer now, but we also now uh, opened so many more uh, Pandora's boxes, if you want. Uh, nevertheless, 11 and 10 on the moat, but also to see what was above that moat. Seven, eight and nine, uh, again, on the moat, but also to see is the moat as close to the inner bailey as uh, 
Uh, some might thought, or is it actually much wider? Is there archaeology there? Is it completely taken away by the 19th, uh, 20th century development or not? What's going on? Here, um, the same story again. This is housing one of the remains uh, that I've showed you on one of the previous photos. Here below, we have more remains. So is there a connection between, is there a large wall there? You know that cementation furnace that I've showed you on the photo and the 19th century maps? Well, the location was roughly there. So one, this trench is targeting that and then looking for deep archeology span as well. Two, three, doing the same, what is going on with the inner Bailey wall. Six, five, four, targeting various different uh, industrial archeology, span if you want questions and six looking for a tower that apparently was there um, when the castle was in full swing. Do I, I just wanted to ask a question. Do I need to tell you about uh, like brief history of Sheffield Castle as in when has it all started and what had happened? Or do you all know? This means yes. Okay. Go ahead, Millie. Okay, right. Well, once upon a time, there was a guy called Will. And he was a Norman. And his, his name was William de Lofter. And he came and he built the first castle. And the, uh, the date that it's agreed, or if you want a year, century that it's agreed that that, that all happened was late 12th century. And um, that castle uh, survives a few fires, and Sheffield at the time survives a few fires, uh, but it doesn't survive one in 1266. And it's apparently burned all the way down to the ground. And in 1270, Thomas de Furnival, uh, who gets the castle and the land through a female line, uh, uh, gets a permission to build the first uh, castle, uh, to, to, to build a uh, castle in stone, to crenellate it and to fortify it. Uh, again, that castle is um, through a marriage pass to one of the wealthiest families in the country, most certainly the most uh, the richest family in this part of, of the country, this part of the world, uh, Shrewsbury's, or if you want, Talbot's. Uh, one of them is sixth Earl of Shrewsbury, uh, George Talbot, and he is, uh, I would say, um, John Morland calls him um, tycoon. Um, and he is the equivalent of. Uh, so he is extremely rich. Uh, he uh, got his wealth through um, shipping, mining, but also willing and dealing with numerous different people. And he is the one who is married. This is his second marriage to Bess of Hardick. And he's also the one who is entrusted to be jail of Mary, Queen of Scots. Uh, when we think, I hope not you, but when people think about Sheffield Castle, I think people think about this big, massive, stone built, one building that goes on forever. And that is nice and romantic, but it's inaccurate. Um, Sheffield Castle is everything from a very, very early stage from, I'll show you, I'll show you later, much more um, uh, before that stone castle and then much uh, during uh, its existence and then after. So it's not one building and it's not one phase. It's almost like, I don't know, you put a wallpaper that you like and then you take that wallpaper. You do an extension when you have some money and then you don't do that extension. You do this. You do. It's a constant changing, constant leveling, constant um, improvement and and um, adding and taking, taking away from the building. Okay, so that was a 
uh, that castle that stood there for a, a few hundred years uh, was demolished, uh, sorry, damaged in um, during the mid 17th century during the civil, English Civil War, or if you want English Civil Wars. And after that, we go to that Bowling Green. Bowling Green then is squeezed out by the um, steel related and uh, uh, buildings and uh, slaughterhouses. And that brings us to the 19th, 20th century. Uh, and to us, the 21st century. That's a brief history of Sheffield Castle and the site. So to go back to what is it that we have found in one of the trenches, in trench one, um, that I said that it was uh, uh, positioned on top of the cementation furnace and then to find out what was under it. Uh, well, we have found what we were looking for. Uh, these are the... Uh, bricks and stones that belong and are related to and are part of that cementation furnace. We have found an awful lot of crossel, uh, which is a Yorkshire word. I'm sure people know. If you don't know, then you will never know. Um, <laughs> and loads of charcoal, uh, loads of um, heat-related uh, activities. Uh, these massive Massive walls are either boundary uh, walls or division walls, and we think are made of the stone that was used in Sheffield Castle. Some of that, them, uh, some of those stones are nicely dressed. They are not in situ; they are not medieval. We have found brick under them, but they are definitely the material is from that time. Now that's that building, okay? We think. And the bricks and the stones are related to that building. And that is what that building and other buildings similar to that did to Sheffield in the 19th century. And that's uh, Ladies' Bridge and its view towards the castle. So that's how that looked at the time. Moving on south to Trench 11, which was also positioned on the... Uh, sorry, uh, moving to Trench 11, which was positioned over the, uh, the moat. What you're looking at at its high level. So this is the current, that was the current level. That's the current level at when we started. So not that deep, 1.1 meter, 1.2 meters. We have a nice paved access, threshold, one room, threshold, another room, and then these are the walls. And um, these are actually slabs that were leaning against the brick, there are walls too. But look at this, this is that. This is, a, this is not um, a slope because uh, the, the pavement, the floor caved under the weight of, from the above. It's actually, it is deliberate. It is to take those impurities, those euphemisms away from the slaughter houses into the river. Okay? And I think that's pretty cool. That is that. This is that, that pavement. Okay? That's how that looked. It's brilliant, isn't it? It's there, just go find it. Um, another trench, Trench 10, which will become a deep, the deepest trench uh, on, on the site. Um, upper levels uh, show uh, a very important boundary wall, and I'll show you that wall later, and various different yards, and uh, parts, part of a building, or if you want, a couple of buildings. And that part, that's that. This is 1920s, okay, map. Moving on uh, through the uh, roughly the same period, just a different trench. We have these trenches where our volunteers are, are um, have done an amazing job. Michael will remember this. I think he was there, and a few other people. And uh, these are all divisions and the main so divisions divisions there, and the main wall of the building that it was to do with cutlery, and. Um, Again, steel productions, because we think that this is uh, a um, crucible furnace-related uh, feature. We have found loads of 
uh, different fragments of crucibles there. And just to kind of help you to be even more confused or to clarify the thing. So that very deep brick surface is there. That's at, I can't see from here, but I think it's at 55 point something meters from the um, OS level. And this is on 52 or 53, whatever it says. Anyway, it's a couple of meters below these things. These things that are to do with um, cutleries and grinding. There are two massive stones. There is one here and one there that are, we think housed a wheel or it was to do something with, with moving wheels. And I'll show you next photo how that looked. This part there is just on a different alignment. That is the, because it's a part of a path and houses that were slightly earlier than the rest of the features there. And what was happening in, in, in that area of, of the site and what is it that we have found in the trench? Well, remains of all of that, if you want, uh, bits and bobs from all the different phases that were going on. And the finds also from that trench um, confirm that. Okay. Uh, moving back in time, and this is, I, I just love archaeology and I love what we get excited about. You see this wall there? Well, that's the bowling green. The, the wall off. I know, I know. But it is, and look, it's there. See that? Wow. That's Ladies Bridge. Don't worry about these houses looking like most of the Mirbrook and Norton Lees. It's just the artist's impression at the time. But it is that. And look what we have done. We have digitized everything. Of course we have. We have to record it. We preserve by record. And then we have uh, overlaid all the trenches and the stuff that we have in trenches, stuff is a technical term for archaeological find. <laughs> and you see that little little wall that I showed you? That's it. And look how nicely, I mean, it doesn't always work that neatly. Now we might be tweaking it a tiny bit, but not a lot. <laughs> Trust me, not a lot. And then in trench five, we have an, exactly the same. So we do know that it was there and it existed. Oh, what have I done? Ah. You see, I really don't know how to operate this, and I don't learn from my mistakes. So if it was up to me, there would be no evolution. And never mind. <laughs> so these are just the finds from the post-medieval part of the site, uh, post-medieval phase of the site, uh, and various different uh, decorated and plain clay pipes, clay pipe bowls fragments, and we know that some of them are made in Doncaster, some of them are brought from other parts of the country. Uh, pottery, which was in fragments, but when assembled, looked like something like this. Uh, this is not medieval. This is I want to be medieval um, part of um, a window. And this is it. We were uh, found on site. It's Gothic and no surprise there because we know that when people were building their houses around the site, they wanted their houses to look like castle at that time. Okay. And there is a massive stone tire, uh, grinding stone, sharpening stone and loads of animal bone. Uh, I think, yes, loads of animal bone. And again, no surprise there, do you remember slaughterhouses? And then there is a pen knife, just because that's another thing, okay? <laughs> uh, we are moving further, further down, going all the way down to the last turtle. And this is the trench that has got Victorian, Victorian drain capped. Uh, that a massive amount of that bowling green wall. <laughs> Another wall which is, and this is cementation furnace related, all the features, okay? But in the uh, west part of that trench, we didn't have any, um, any remains, just 
a lot of charcoal burned brick that was chucked from the cementation furnace into its yard, I think. Uh, we were able to go down, and we are now these levels here are medieval. You can see that there is a pit cut into those medieval layers, but here where I am can't hold still. This, that's medieval. And we have taken samples and we have processed the samples, thank you Liz uh, and your assistance, and we got um, plant remains to date. And from the two layers, 1057 and 1076, which means nothing to any of you, but they are there, those two layers, we have got these dates, 1042, so 11th to 13th century and 12th to 13th century. The amazing things to me with those dates is they are not that 1270 castle. There are layers that were brought in, or if you want, already existing and mixed from the, the earlier castle, okay? So when we were on site, we thought, okay, so everything medieval that we found that it's of, uh, it's of any substance, and by that I mean robust, um, you know, their present is going to be that late 13th century castle. But if you look at the dates there, uh, not a single one, <laughs> which is good. I think that's good, and that is how archaeology works, and that is science, and it's not fake news. Uh, another feature which we debated and, and first of all called medieval, and then we changed our mind and we called it post-medieval, and then we changed the mind again and we called it medieval, and now it's set on medieval. Mm -hmm. um, and used in post-medieval times and probably stood there all the way up to the 19th century. It's there in the 18th century for sure. It's a wall, or if you want, it was a it's a couple of walls and set of um, stairs and a paved uh, entrance. There is a door, a door, a wooden door was there. Okay. Uh, that is probably this building here, or part of this that building there. And this is a uh, 1700, so 18th century map. It's still there. And this is just to illustrate, this is not the only building that is there, if you want, the only remains that were there uh, from medieval times found in the 18th and 19th century times, or on the 18th and 19th century maps. Uh, there were a few of them, and this is just to illustrate that that castle uh, was not completely destroyed, brought down completely to the ground in the mid-17th century during the Civil War. Some of that was destroyed, some of the stuff was pushed in the, in the, in the big ditch that surrounded the castle, but not all of it. Uh, loads of buildings were still there and being used. In addition to those remains of the buildings, we had a very nice yard, cobbled yard, uh, that um, Ash thinks, and I think he's absolutely um, uh, correct, was repaired um, and maintained. And on top of that cobbled yard, we have found an ear scoop. Or if you want a toilet implement that has got an ear scoop on one side and a toothpick on the other side, you have to be careful which end goes where. <laughs> uh, this is part of, a, of a, a toiletry set. It usually comes in trees, so this is one of them. It will come with tweezers and then with nail cleaner as well, made of copper, copper alloy. Uh, when we have found, before we did radiocarbon dating, that was dated to 13th to 14th century, but we have then dated the soil <laughs> uh, uh, around those cobbles, and that's 12th to 13th century. So that's 
copper alloy item is probably of that date. But again, this is not 1270, or if you want, that yard was used uh, in a 1270 castle, but it was there prior to that. And then fabulous things such as modern sewage. <laughs> right. The next three slides you're going to see are these three trenches that we have positioned on the west side of the, of the, of the site, targeting the west arm of the moat. And archaeology works miracles because even when blank trenches, when nothing in them archaeologically related, we say, oh, that's a fantastic news. This was not particularly great news because these sewage pipes were live. <laughs> but when we have sorted that out, it was a great news because this trench, this is all modern concrete. This is mon uh, modern inspection pit. These are modern sewage pipes. This is um, the geology. This is a bedrock, and I always say yabba dabba do, so I must not miss that tonight. This is also bedrock. So there is no moat <laughs> in this trench, and that's good. And I'll tell you in a minute why is that good. There's another trench. This is now trench eight or whatever. It's targeting again that side of the moat, and again, it's empty of archaeology. <laughs> These are the pillars, uh, concrete bases for the 1950s uh, co-op market. This is just a concrete wall and this is yabba dabba do again. <laughs> so moat nowhere to be seen. Now, and now for something completely different. Uh, loads of geology, loads of modern disturbance, but look at this. Now I can do this wobbly stuff. Look at that. <laughs> Okay, that's full of rubble. And look at this line. Now, that is not geology. That is full of something because that's loose, that is filled, that something is filled with all that rubble. And that's something that is filled is a corner or if you want the bend of our moat. Why is it our? Why I'm starting <laughs> of the moat. <laughs> My moat. Uh, <laughs> so anyway, we have emptied that and we have found because we then projected this line and because the other two trenches that were north from this one were empty and the castle is on this side immediately, okay, the remains, we know that the moat is going much wider and we now know that it's under the Wayne Gate rather than running closer to the side. So it's good when we find nothing that is, that is also good. Don't be disheartened if you find an empty trench. That's a good news. Uh, where we could not put the trenches, we asked Liz and... Um, Richard to do some boreholing, and they have done. We have put boreholes across the southern arm of the of the boat. Should we go back to my beloved model, right? Just for the crack. <laughs> so the empty trenches were here, one, two, and three, and the one that just clipped the corner was here. These boreholes were here and here. And we have two extra trenches, one here and one here. Okay, so what you're looking at now is the line of the boreholes and connecting them. Or if you want, when we connected their bases, we have got the profile of the moat. Okay, so that's dark line is the profile of the moat. And these various different things show various different fills. But for now, I just want to show you how the moat looked its profile there. Now, the second transect of the boreholes show the moat its profile slightly different. And that's another news, new news <laughs> uh, on the side that uh, moat 
when we compare the, the profiles of the moat and the depth, the width, the position on the, uh, on, on the ground, if you want, it feels it's not um, uniform. Uh, it's not the same from north to south, if you want, from east to west. Okay, it changes. And that's another new news, right? Now, Trench 10, that's the one that contained that building that I was telling you with two cobbled yards. We went all the way down, six meters. We haven't reached the bottom of the moat, but we were not far away from it. And we had to do it this way, and this is shoring. And this is the first time that um, I think as, as a company, as a unit, we had to do this and to be um, responsible for that. Uh, it's a lot of engineering and an awful lot of health and safety regulations and just awareness to, to consider because this is exceptionally deep, things collapse, uh, the, the bottom of the trench is a confined space, so we had to measure various different quantities of various different gases and so on and so forth. So the way it worked, for you nerds interested in how engineering or something works, is basically that this frame was lowered meter by meter, and then these guys, the panels were pushed. So these panels are protecting the sides. This frame is actually pushing them to stay in place. And what we have done, we have done a patchwork recording. So we have excavated meter, recorded sections, pushed that down, excavated another meter, recording sections, pushed them down, and so on and so forth. And that was done by Sam. That's Sam. <laughs> And I, this photo is just to show that very little changes apart from the fact, <laughs> apart from the fact that buckets are larger, archaeologies are small. <laughs> That's the difference between then and now. I love this, not only because it answers a lot of questions. I love this because it's a camaraderie section, and I'll show you how and why. But let me just tell you, first of all, what you're looking at. So that's the profile of the moat. This is its west. Sorry, am I talking rubbish? Yes, east bank. Then we have projected this line because we haven't reached, we stopped there. So we have guessed that much because we did some augering and we think we have the bottom there. And that's its profile. This, it's clay bank. So the west side is not cut into, into the geology, it's made. Okay, and then you can see it's medieval fill, or if you want medieval fills, there, this pink. This is the 18th century, sorry, 17th century uh, civil war phase, and then various different leveling. Uh, and also, when I, I don't know if you remember on one of the slides, I said it's a very important wall, it's a boundary wall. That's that wall there, sitting on the very top of the bank. And that is, this bank and that wall are very, very important because they are the edge, they are the, the boundary, they are the, the end of the site, and they were in medieval times. And I'll show you how that looks on the later maps. But why I said that this, I love this one in particular because it's a, it's a comrade, it's a teamwork trench. Not only that we have lowered Sam down six meters and then left him and then went for a pint. We did. <laughs> and he survived. Not only that, we have worked with him. We had people looking after him and looking after them and taking things out and putting things back. And it was, I think, something like five uh, guys, five men uh, working on that trench every day. Um, 
seven, eight hours a day. Uh, so from that point of view is that. It's then in the post-excavation, Ian and Joanna, our colleagues, stitched all these things together, guided by Ash's um, careful interpretation um, of that. But it's also that we had put together the information from Arcus, who remember excavated the trench across the across that, that moat. And when we had done that, the description of these uh, fields and our description matched, matched perfectly. And I just, that's how you do stuff. Mm. Now, just to show you that line, okay? So that's that wall. Under that wall, there is the moat bank. And that's the boundary line. So everything that is to do with castle is this side. Everything that is not to do with castle was outside. But look, look at that lane. It's a boundary for that lane too. And that lane connects, connects shambles and uh, the sheaf. And I just think the rest of the blue and red stuff is our trenches and what we have found. But I also think that this is just, that's just splendid. <laughs> you can also see slaughterhouses that we have found. And I'm just going to leave that for a minute or two because I know there are at least a couple of other archaeologists with us tonight. So take a look. It's great. I like when things work. Okay, and now is the trench of my discontent. <laughs> <clears throat> and that's <laughs> trench two. And that trench was to position, was positioned to find a massive wall, apparently, and it was per per perpendicular to it, and it was to be there because it's connecting the gatehouse with the rest of the remains that are there. Now, there is no that wall, that large wall. There's a bit of a wall-ish, wall-in, as they say in Ireland. <laughs> There's, and that's Victorian, okay? And again, do you remember I said earlier, it doesn't matter if you find nothing, that's all okay. But this is not nothing. That's just yellow clay with loads of charcoal flecks, but no finds, no medieval pottery, no medieval layers. What is going on there? We don't know. So what we have done, we have dug 1.2 and we dug another 1.2 and then we went, get the machine. <laughs> because we are not stopping here and we had dug four meter deep sondage and the section looks like this okay so it's all yellow down and it's not geology it's not bedrock or anything like that it has got a nice oh, 45 40 degrees cut and there is a bluish clay on, on that. And we have analyzed that and dated that and looked and compared with various different other castles. And what I bravely say, and what is gonna go into the publication that we are doing with the University of Sheffield is that we are looking, I'm looking, <laughs> and now you're looking at the Mott and Bailey phase of the castle. And we think that that's part of the, of the, of the lump of the hill that was there. Uh, and uh, similarities are direct, parallels are with uh, Oxford Castle Mott, which was dug, there are steps, and then there is a blue clay put on top of that. And you can see that in another trench, okay, nearby. But this is not only uh, wooden, wood and earth or wood and clay castle. It was reinforced by, there is stone or a line of stones that we have found in situ. Now, to show you that burnt wood, it's there. That I don't know what I do. Never mind. Um, here we go. That wood there, and that was full of charcoal and um, seeds and hazelnut shells. Uh, these were worked and chopped at an angle. 
And I just want to show you, if you're, if you're not sure what Mott and Bailey, or if you're not sure what Mott is, that this is from probably world famous tapestry, tapestry that was made um, 10 years-ish after the Battle of Hastings and depicts five, I think, Mott in total. This is one, and I like this one because it shows its vulnerability. It shows a platform made of wood, and it shows what happens when you throw a few arrows and you set that fire but also this one is even better i think here it is they're doing it but look they're doing it even while it's there and i like that because it also shows repair and building and constant work on the on the castle uh at the same time, just to the north of that trench of my discontent, we had two post holes and the linear features running away from them, or if you want, these linear features are um, ending with two post holes. And what you're looking at is an entrance into a building that, again, we now know was on the similar level as River Dawn at the time. And these are the dates that came back from from the, what is that, not shell, uh, yeah, from that trench. We have also dated, uh, Dendro dated uh, a piece of timber that was there and that came no later than the 13th century. So we are looking at the early phases of the castle. Of course, we have to be careful that it is it reused and not reused, that sort of stuff. But comparing the levels of that blue clay and the um, the other yellowish clay in the other trenches and this, they're on the same level and they've returned very, very same similar dates, okay? So that is what we have. The finds that come from medieval phase, medieval phases of the site, uh, just to illustrate a few nicely dressed stones, which we have found in that ditch in the moat, the world famous ear scoop, uh, medieval pottery, some of them, and there is, that's how it's reconstructed. Now, this is Cistercian ware, which is in use up to sometime 1600s, but I'm just showing you that because I believe you can see this jog in the um, Bishop's House, which is Namir's Brook Park, and you can go and, and have a look. That's, that, that is a brilliant building and beautiful building and part of Tudor, part of medieval Sheffield, if you want. So this is just for illustration. Yes. Um, now, in summary, what is it? What is new? There is no evidence of any Anglo-Saxon structure. Now, I said that because that is the narrative and that is the question, that was one of the questions that we have asked uh, ourselves and we were asked. That is what uh, Armstrong and Butcher and, and, and Hinsworth and Bartlett said they have, but they didn't really have. They had um, pottery, which we now know is early medieval rather than Anglo-Saxon. Let me also just say that we have found fragments of Anglo-Saxon pottery, but we have not found Anglo-Saxon secured um, layers or features or any Anglo-Saxon stru structures. I think there is evidence of Mott and Bailey. There is evidence of heavy landscaping across the site. Everything is pushed, pulled, moved, uh, leveled. There is, there is evidence of wall and a staircase from the face, same face as the gatehouse. We know that comparing the levels again. Now going to that ditch, large ditch around the castle. Line of the West Moat is under modern rain gate. West Moat is steep-sided. South corner of it is dry. Uh, South Moth is dry. 
that is another new thing because wherever you look, even on my um, my my own private castle, that's all full of water, and we think that moats are always uh, full of water. This one might have been some parts of it, but these that we have uh, tested in excavation were definitely dry. We have we have uh, ostracots and what's uh, people who study archaeology and are younger and with healthier brains, uh, shrimps and algae. We have tested them, we analyzed them, and they came back uh, as um, um, something that lived in shallow, polluted waters rather than deep running waters. Uh, so that's how we know that although there were puddles there, that was not managed and it wasn't deep and it wasn't running water. Okay, we know that East Moat's bank, one of its bank is cut into bedrock, the other one is clay bank, uh, and that uh, they're not of the, the the arms were not of the same construction. And it's very possible that the moat is one of the earliest, if uh, not the earliest, feature on the site. And it might be that it's a paleo channel first, and then that paleo channel used to be a bigger, deeper ditch. Uh, evidence of damage, but not complete demolition of a castle during the Civil War. Medieval buildings, which are surviving into later periods. Evidence of Bowling Green, series of slaughterhouses and steelworks. Now, these things were ignored by, not by Arcus, by, by previous um, recorders, previous excavators, partly because they were there to find medieval Sheffield Castle. And I think partly to be fair uh, from them that they were not that much removed from the 19th and early early 20th century. So, you know, that wasn't archaeology for them. It was something that it was every day. Okay, and the biggest difference, I think, of all is that only in 2018, um, excavation was the involvement of the... What does this sentence mean? Who has written that? <laughs> oh, my word. We have involved an awful lot of people. Yeah, exactly. And volunteers. And this was not the case in 2001 with Arcus or late 90s. And most certainly it wasn't the case in the early 20th century. And I like this photo because it's a time capsule. This is the only place or was the only place where you could see the entire history of Sheffield from the geology true medieval features, post-medieval pits, post-medieval activities, industrial stuff, uh, Victorian drains, bowling green, uh, cementation furnaces, 20th century concrete, and 21st century Sheffield. Yeah, it's great, isn't it? Yeah. It's a pity that it's such a blah photo, but it's brilliant. <laughs> now, what, what is it that we still don't know and how we might find that out? We haven't a clue what Mary thought about all that. <laughs> but does it matter? We don't really know how the castle looked. And I now think it's a probably a combination of these two with uh, loads of adjustments. Now, I just also want to be uh, very, very respect respectful and fair to people who have made these two reconstructions. This is the latest one from the University of Sheffield. Everyone there have done their best shot. It is exceptionally difficult to know how something looked ages ago, and especially if you want to go into detail. Okay, so we can laugh and we can go and say, oh, look, this is Roman and this didn't exist. It's kind of nice from the comfort of our, our armchair and Google Drive and all sorts of different things, but it's not easy. So I think that all these guys have done exceptionally good job. Uh, 
we don't know how that looked and we don't know who were the real people that were in the castle. Were they just made of Lego or they were actually the real people? I mean, we know that nobles and lords and ladies were there, but who were the people who were there most of the time? Because you have to remember that Sheffield Castle was just one of the residences of all those people. They were not there all the time. I bet they were not there during the winter. Who is in Sheffield Castle during the winter? Who would want to be in Sheffield Castle during the winter? So they traveled around, but who were those people who were maintaining the castle, what was actually happening in the castle, what was going on, where was the material coming from, was there local potteries or have they been all imported from and where from and so on and so forth. So there are an awful lot of questions that we haven't answered. Uh, but uh, we, we can, that's me, that, I'm done. <laughs> no, that's okay, thank you. I think the very short answer to that and simple answer is collaboration. It's this sort of stuff. Dissemination, talk about that. Uh, don't, be, don't be stingy, share your information. Uh, you know, uh, tell people what you have found, publish. Publish, go write what you have, what you have found, and and share that not only in this country but internationally, and try to find out what is it that was going on. Okay, so it's not that difficult. It's complicated, demanding, and hard work, but it isn't difficult. Okay, so that was the talk of on on, on Sheffield Castle. Thank you for listening to Archaeology and Ale. For more information about our podcast and guest speaker, please visit our page on the Archaeology Podcast Network. You can get in touch with us at Archaeology in the City on Facebook, WordPress, Instagram, or Twitter. If you have any questions or comments, we'd love to hear from you. Next month, our talk will be Lofton and the Landscapes of Conquest by Duncan Wright. See you next time. This show is produced by the Archaeology Podcast Network, Chris Webster and Tristan Boyle in Reno, Nevada at the Reno Collective. This has been a presentation of the Archaeology Podcast Network. Visit us on the web for show notes and other podcasts at www.archpodnet.com. Contact us at chris at archaeologypodcastnetwork.com.